good friends. You look perfect. You, you, in fact, you probably are perfect. Great lovers. Far, far easy, too far would be then. Maybe this. Bad timing. So, so I uh, came after your film, sir. No, you were 32. <laughs> Smashing climax. It's pretty easy. Just say I do whenever anyone asks you a question. I do. <laughs> Hugh Grant, Andy McDowell, four weddings and a funeral, rated R. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Bravo! This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from... Hey there, everybody! Why is your voice like that? I, I thought we'd try something different. I always do it the same way. Hello out there. <laughs> Very soothing, actually. Oh, uh, we're back. We're back for more. I, I don't even know if it's worth mentioning, because, again, we've talked before about the whole idea that we're, the order we're recording these in and how that's probably not the order they're coming out. Yeah. So it might be a little <laughs> disconcerting, I, but I think we want this episode to be able to slide in wherever we need it. So. Let's not say when we're recording Ooh, it. Let's not We've talk recorded some or none or a lot of episodes already. The thing is that it's, we got another special episode tonight. It's going to be another dealer's choice. If you tuned in last time, there was a dealer's choice, which could have been anywhere from two episodes ago to 300 episodes ago. What we do is we spin the wheel and the wheel is only me and Sarah, but it's me and Sarah over and over again. Yep. And whoever wins the spin gets to choose the topic for the episode. Now, 50-50 chance. Yeah. The last time we even did one of these, I believe we were on vacation and I yes. to strong arm Sarah into doing a show while we were on vacation. But we got to talk about my favorite and the best movie of all time, Speed. Right. Which if you haven't listened to the Speed episode, go back. I mean, there's a lot of glorious knowledge about Speed to be dropped there and just a lot of gushing. It's a great yeah. movie. So again, to not pinpoint when exactly we're recording this episode, today is a holiday. And yet I managed to convince Sarah yet again. Let's let's crack out the microphones. Let's get in separate rooms and let's talk this thing out. It's true. It is a holiday. Yeah. So this is this is what we did. But because of that, we're trying the dealer's choice again. Yeah. So if on the holiday I lose the dealer's choice, that's gonna be a real bummer for me. Real bummer. Oh. Well, I mean, I we've got no no say over what the wheel decides. It's the wheel of fate, and it's it here to judge us all. Let's so, see if it goes in my direction. I'm let's see. I'm, I'm hoping to win one of these. So far, I'm 0 for 1. So here we go. Let's give it a spin and see what happens. Come on. Come on. Oh. We've got a winner. It's yes. Sarah again. Ah, nailed it. One more time. Yet well, again, my choice. Maybe Sorry, time, listeners. Joe. You got to listen to stuff I like. <laughs> All right. So what's the topic? Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about a movie that we actually recently watched just to, to see it. I, I had never seen it before, um, but I really enjoyed it. And it's right up my alley. So today we are going to spend the episode talking about Four Weddings and a Funeral. 1994 classic. I don't, I would say I don't like it as much as Speed. It's a good movie, but it's not <laughs> so, as good as Speed. Everybody temper your expectations. Four Weddings and a Funeral is not Speed. 
on a scale from one to speed, it's below speed. Ah, fair. Uh, well, great. Yeah, that I guess that we're already behind the eight ball trying to even talk about it. Yeah. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Four Weddings and Funeral, classic romantic comedy, I, I would guess you'd call it, though not as like funny. haha. It was like, heh, funny. <laughs> And um, from 1994, Hugh Grant's like first major movie, I think. And Andy McDowell also in it, not her first movie. Um, But those are, I would say, the two stars. Kristen Scott Thomas also in it. And they are set in England. And you, there are four weddings and a funeral in it, though not in that order. Right. Which is, as we were watching it, we said this should probably have been the title. Three weddings, one funeral, one wedding. Right. Not to spoil. Now, again, we're going to spoil the entire movie. Yes. It's the only way to talk about this. We assumed everyone had seen Speed. So we didn't think like telling people that Dennis Hopper got decapitated was that much of a spoiler. But Four Weddings and a Funeral, I don't know what its lasting impact is. I don't know if people are still checking this movie out. They should. It's a good movie. Yeah. But I don't actually know. So I don't know the ins and outs of it. And like there are some twists in there. Like that's it's a. Actually, I, I would say a more unpredictable movie than, say, Speed, yes. where it's pretty straightforward what's happening in Speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't think we should take this episode as just comparing Four Weddings and a Funeral to Speed. Either. <laughs> I think that's a pretty bad tact. <laughs> when it comes to excitement, it is not as exciting as Speed. When right. it comes to romance, less romance than Speed. Oh, get out of here. It's true. Yeah. Even with Four Weddings and a Funeral, Funeral aside, less romance than Speed, because I, I ship... Would- uh, Jack and and the Wildcat Forever. But not as much Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant. No. Unpopular opinion. I don't think they were that convincing a couple. I did read in looking up some stuff about this movie that Andy McDowell's character, Carrie, was voted as the most annoying character ever in a movie by like a British poll. I actually could see that. Like yeah. there are much, much better romantic comedies than Four Weddings and a Funeral. I don't, I can't think of one from 1994, but they're in the world much better. I would say this is two thirds of the way down the list. I mean, I think Four Weddings and a Funeral is a good movie. I don't, I don't have a good frame of reference to compare it to romantic comedies in general. Yeah. I do think the plot is really structured well. I think it's an interesting concept for a movie. Yeah. And the fact that 85% of the movie takes place at weddings and receptions is already a tricky plot like how to do this there's very little that's not at the weddings or the funeral i realize that's the title but like there isn't even a lot of filler like it goes from one wedding to another for the first two-thirds of the movie you know yeah well i mean it's an interesting package for any kind of plot right like you have this like structure of events and then you can kind of put whatever plot you want into it of characters getting together fighting or whatever you want them to be doing which is why i think in what was it just a couple of years ago, there was a TV show, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, I think that was almost a current show, wasn't it? For, the season one came out in 2019. I don't know if COVID impacted it or if it got canceled or what happened, but it was a Mindy Kaling, Patrick Warburton, like created show. They weren't on it, but they created it. And the um, woman from Game of Thrones who played Daenerys's like right hand lady. Natalie, to- Natalie Emanuel, I think her name yeah. was. Something yep, like that's that. her. Yeah. That's her. Um, she was like the main character in it, but it, like none of the character names are the same. So it's just people go to four weddings and a funeral. Like, I don't know how you make that a TV show, but I think it's this idea that they go to weddings and, and funerals. Sure. Like we all do. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the plot of Four Weddings and a Funeral is the weddings and the funeral. It's not that just these characters are randomly going to weddings and funerals and it has no connection to their lives. Like, that is the progression of the story. And I think why it's actually a pretty clever plot. It's a pretty clever screenplay. Yeah. And it, it does have a lot of really good actors in it. So while it doesn't really follow kind of a traditional romantic comedy pattern and because they've chosen to give Andy McDowell's character, this the American you know, mysterious love interest, so little character that it actually kind of ruins that aspect of the movie. Yeah. It still makes for a very compelling, you know, story. Yeah. I, I don't know that the ending pays off because I don't think Carrie's a great character. No, no, Joe, Joe and I, as we were watching, came up with this theory that we weren't sure why he was so into her in the movie. So maybe she was just really great in the sack and they didn't show it. That was our theory. It is an R-rated movie. There's a lot of F-bombs in this film, but they chose yeah. not to have graphic uh, sex scenes. There's yeah. one, Well, there is one sex scene that's pretty funny that's not it's not that graphic with uh, Bernard and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lydia, yeah. I think. Yeah. But, but it's just like played for laughs. It's not a graphic scene yeah. where what, what Sarah's referring to is, I guess, seeing if Carrie was, you know, a dynamo. So, I mean, that's my only operating theory because the thing about her, she's like, she's awkward and annoying and like you never really know if she's into him and she marries this other guy like and you don't know why or why they break up like it's very confusing i think right it's way. the the movie's about hugh grant's character i almost feel like because the, even the fact that they have this character as an american has no impact on the story she has no. she's always in england do going to these weddings none of this movie takes place in america yeah so how even this is supposed to work i almost feel like they just wanted an american movie star in that part and Andy McDowell was a name. I mean, Groundhog Day is only two years before this. So, like, she was doing stuff. Yeah. But she doesn't bring anything to that part. And that part has almost nothing to do. Like, Hugh Grant's character is the main focus of everything that happens in this movie. Yeah. And Hugh Grant is great in this movie. I love Hugh Grant, just to say it. But, like, I really like, I mean, this is a good character for him to play. Yeah. Like, it really fits the Hugh Grantness of him. Yeah. Uh, a guy named Richard Curtis wrote this movie who then did have a good career as a director, but he also wrote a lot of Hugh Grant movies around this time where you would, I think, define the Hugh Grant character. He, after he does Four Weddings and a Funeral, he wrote Notting Hill. He uh, wrote Bridget Jones Diary. Uh, I think he directs Love Actually. Yes. Uh, the Bridget Jones sequel. Like he, he did do a lot of stuff that. This guy is my jam. Yeah, Richard Curtis really got a lot of stuff done. Those are his writer credits. He also directed, oh no, he basically just directed Love Actually and a couple other things, but nice. nothing, no, none of the major uh, Hugh Grant films of the time. But he was a very accomplished writer. He wrote a lot of great British TV. He wrote uh, a couple series of Blackadder, which was a great show with Rowan Atkinson. He wrote Mr. Bean, uh, a lot of Mr. Bean also. And then Rowan Atkinson does have a little part in this movie, a really funny part as like yeah. the priest. So yeah. Yeah, so like I think that this this was building up the Hugh Grant thing. And this is movies often, I think, credited as his real breakout movie here. He had a little part in Remains of the Day, which was the year before, and had a lot of like award attention. But he's a small part in it, and it's a serious movie where after this, all of a sudden, he's yeah. Hugh Grant. Like he's making, he made big movies after this. Again, always essentially playing Hugh Grant. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Hugh Grant is he's always the same character. He, I can't even think of a movie where he wasn't the same character. Even, and it's been a long time since I've seen this, but even About a Boy, which was like a 
topical detour for him. He was still basically Hugh Grant, just less flirty, I guess. Yeah. Like, because he was, you know, I mean, I think he spent most of the movie with that kid, if I remember correctly. It's been a long time since I've seen about a boy. But the the Hugh Grantness of Hugh Grant, like just it's always great. Like it was good in this, it's good in Notting Hill. Music and lyrics, a movie I love. Most people don't, but I do. I love it. I've never seen it. No. Oh, it's great. It's so good. Who's Drew Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Mm. It's Hugh Grant does Hugh Grant and there's a lady there. Like that's all of his movies and they're all great. That is his formula and it does really seem to work. Uh, I remember nine months being really good was right after this. Nine months. It was like Julianne Moore, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like, was Danny DeVito in that movie? <laughs> or am I thinking of something else? I, Robin Williams, I think, is in that movie, oh, right? Yeah. As the, There's like a, a, doctor a doctor with an accent. Yeah. I think, honestly, I'm confusing nine months with the movie where um, Arnold Schwarzenegger has the baby. What is that called? <laughs> Junior? Danny DeVito's in that one, right? Yeah. Or is yeah. that twins? The, he's in both. Oh, Junior? Okay. Was that the movie? Junior, yes. Yeah. Yes. That was yeah. a great movie. I love Junior. I, I don't, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen Junior either. Oh, it's fa- oh well. I know what we're doing next weekend. Oh no! <laughs> if, if only it was in '94. Ah, damn it! But yeah, no. It seemed like Hugh Grant really had a big run right after this, and then I don't even know what you would say. I think this is probably Hugh Grant's most famous performance, right? Just because this movie was nominated for Best Picture, like this as a comedy, this was a big deal comedy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Love Actually has had this huge other life as years have gone on. I mean, I think in recent years, Hugh Grant's been doing more serious stuff or at least some different stuff, but nothing that I've seen. But it seems like I, every once in a while I see like he's doing an HBO miniseries where he's like yeah. in a serious part, right? Yeah, where he's not being regular or like 1990s Hugh Grant as we remember him. Right, right. Conventional Hugh Grant. Yeah. Uh, but no, this movie does get credited really with kickstarting his career. But I think the overlooked part of this is that this was also really the first big thing Kristen Scott Thomas did. And even though she hasn't had a real consistent career, she became a big movie star yeah. really quickly after this. And I think maybe she gets kind of forgotten in this movie because, again, her part is one of the few that really doesn't have a, a big resolution inside the movie, where this movie does become very focused as it winds down on let's pair up all these single people and get everybody married off or however it, you know they can come up with a nice ending for people. And she really doesn't have that. She's kind of the... She's a, yeah. one, of, one of the more sad characters, really, yeah. because she professes her love for Hugh Grant like pretty early on in the movie to the audience. And then as the movie unfolds, she also you know tells him and there's never really a conversation where he's like, I'm not interested. It's just assumed that this is not going to happen. Yeah, she's kind of like, uh, I'm into you. And he's like, mm, that's rough. But like, she's not even like broken up about it. Like, it's no. almost like this is just she's she accepted knows, this yeah. already. Yeah, yeah, like she knows this is the case. And yeah, so so her character really doesn't get a moment that a lot of the other characters do get where they're going to all these weddings and there's all these people meeting people in these funny kind of ways. She's sort of more somber and and actually has a lot of gravity in this in a movie that doesn't have characters like that. Uh, but she won a BAFTA for this movie. This movie won a ton of BAFTAs, as you can imagine. Makes sense. But she won like Best Supporting Actress for this movie. So like she got a lot of credit there where this movie only was nominated for Best Picture and Screenplay at the Oscars. Uh, I think it did better at the Golden Globes because it was a comedy. So I'm pretty sure I think it won Best Picture and Hugh Grant won and things like that. Andy McDowell was weirdly nominated for a Golden Globe for this movie. What does she do in this movie? Yeah, I don't want to slam Andy McDowell too much. Like she's good in things, but she has nothing to do in this movie. Like, yeah, not not in this movie. Yeah. 
But no, right after this, Kristen Scott Thomas is in The English Patient in 96, wins Best Picture. And then she was in The Horse Whisperer was right after that, too. Yeah. So like big movie. I mean, not, they're not blockbuster movies, but these are major films, like major yeah. things. So she becomes a real name, I think, right after this. You know, so I think it kind of gets forgotten that she's in this movie. But I think the thing about her character, to go back to the point that we made about like how she had a moment where she professed her love for Hugh Grant and everyone just seemed to assume that, that wasn't a thing and we all just moved on, but that happened. One of the things that I struggle with with this movie, as as Joe can tell you, I don't like movies that aren't like fairly direct with the audience. And there was a lot that happened sort of as undercurrents in this movie that I didn't love, including when, uh, spoiler alert, um, one of the the men in the in the group of friends dies. He collapses. He's he's the funeral. He collapses at a wedding, and they zero in on one of the other friends. And Joe is like really broken up, like oh this poor guy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, they were lovers the whole time. I had no idea. Oh my god. I had no idea. And and <laughs> we I had we had to pause the movie where I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you're saying a lot of things that make me think that those two were together and he was like they introduced him as his closest friend at the funeral and he says things that i was like well i guess i like some of my friends that much but it seems like a lot but okay and then afterwards they're talking about them and how like they were basically married and can you ever find can you ever be like the two of them and i was like what are they talking about so i made joe pause it and i was like were they like together and he was like yes oh my god they were i mean (laughs) Look at if you've seen this movie, like, do you seriously not realize that Matthew and Gareth are together the entire movie from the first minute that they're on the screen? I really don't understand how we got this far into this movie and Sarah just had no idea this was happening. I thought they were just good buds. I mean, again, it's 94, so they kind of play it down, I guess, a little bit. There's no scenes of them being romantic together, but they're clearly together. Like, they're very affectionate. And maybe you could just take it as an overly affectionate, you know, friendship. Close group I mean, of friends. Simon Callow plays Gareth. And Simon Callow is amazing in this oh, movie. So and, good. And does not get the credit he deserves because that guy's fantastic. He's great in everything, but he always playing his little idiosyncratic parts is fantastic in this part. And he is significantly older than John Hanna. So you could, who plays Matthew. So you could see maybe that that's not a case. But when Sarah's saying to me that she doesn't realize that these two are even together, I, I, I this just blew my mind is how, I, I don't know if it's a failure on their part for not being more obvious, because again, you do like real concrete information, or if maybe you glanced away at the wrong part, <laughs> the wrong moment. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that boat, but like, but it was that it was like when Kristen Scott Thomas was like confessing her love that kind of surprised me because i know you said that they told the audience really early on i don't i I was surprised by that i mean there's a see again now i think the problem might be if you don't realize that matthew and gareth are gay yeah you might see that there's a bunch of guy options in this group of friends totally (laughs) and so she says at some point fairly early in the movie that she's has someone she's always in love with because like somebody says to her something like when are you gonna you know and that's obviously what she's talking about because there's nobody else in the group, really. So that's that's obviously what's happening. Except but it's Matthew only then. Except Matthew or Gareth, but neither of them are options, which I did not realize. Right. I guess. I mean, that must be the issue. But but really, like the two real most poignant parts of the movie, because, again, the Carrie stuff, marrying Hamish and they never explain how they meet or what this is about. And then they break up off screen like none of this seems to matter. None of that resonated, I think, dramatically 
very well, really. It was fine. Like it, it drives the plot along. All that happens. So the plot keeps moving. But the real poignant moments of the movie are Kristen Scott Thomas, uh, Fifi, confessing to Charles that she loves him and them just both immediately realizing this is not going to happen and no real explanation. And when Gareth dies, because he dies on screen at, while Hamish is giving a speech at their reception, yeah, he collapses and everybody kind of rushes to him and they take him into the other room. But Matthew doesn't see this happen. So yeah, when they cut back to Matthew and he doesn't realize this is going on, it's just devastating. I thought that was, it's just a really hard moment. Yeah. Like, dramatically. Yeah, really like you tough. were really upset about it when it happened. And I was like, why are you so upset? But it does in retrospect, like it is a really like, it is a really heartbreaking moment. Yeah. It's an interestingly framed moment. And I think that one of the things that I read about this movie was that the director was Mike Newell who directed a lot of stuff after this, but he's not really a comedy director and, and his other movies really bear this out. And the people, when they were making it, Hugh Grant and some of the actors were kind of saying they didn't think the movie was working because of the way it was, it, he was directing it. Basically they thought it, it, it wasn't punching, punching up the laughs quite enough and stuff like that, where then in retrospect, I think the reason the movie dramatically works as well as it does is not going so obviously over the top for the jokes. For the oh, laughs. yeah. No, not at all. No. So I think that that's that's actually to the movie's benefit that they just didn't realize at the time. And I think those scenes really bear that out. Like there are funny scenes. There are like comic set pieces of scenes. But for the most part, they're still character based. It's really, you know, Rowan Atkinson's character scene is just a full on comedy scene. Yeah. You know, and mostly it's just conversations. It's things like that. But yeah, Mike Newell went on and he directed the fourth Harry Potter movie. Uh, he directed Pushing Tin is like a half of an action movie. He directed Donnie Brasco was a gangster movie. Like, you know, it, he didn't really direct movies like this. Yeah. So so I think it brings an interesting perspective to to this movie. Yeah, I, I do. I think it makes it better because it doesn't it doesn't feel like a comedy to me, um, really. I mean, there are some funny parts to it, but it doesn't feel like a, a full on comedy at all really yeah i mean I, I think it has it's similar to i think some of the other um richard curtis movies i, I but maybe it's just because of hugh grant but it does have that kind of you know slightly vulgar british you know chummy comedy aspects to it you know i like, think like a notting hill notting hill has funny parts but notting hill is not a real funny movie L love actually as much as love actually has some great segments and some horrible segments and yeah. They smashed it all together in this super long movie. That's not a super funny movie either in the overall. You wouldn't say Love Actually is a comedy, you know? But I still think Love Actually and Notting Hill are both way more overtly funny than this movie is. Like, because Notting Hill has the the roommate. Like, that is that is its, like, key comedic aspect. And and the most of the rest of it. But isn't the, the woman who is in this movie also in Notting Hill? I think that's right. Uh, uh, Charlotte Coleman? Yeah. Who's yeah. Scarlet? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think she was, right? Oh, no. I think she, she does look familiar. Charlotte Coleman died Ooh. in 2001, so it, it would have been after that. But no, she died of asthma. Oh, my God. Asthma is at, at 33. That's that's an odd. That's, Yikes. That's a shame. Um, she's also really good in this movie. She's her, so good. That, I mean, that whole group of friends is really, really effective. They really work and... And they give it a lot of this like busy energy color to that side of the film where it's mostly about how Hugh Grant is this like terrible womanizer who can't stay in a relationship and, and kind of devastates everybody he's with for any period of time where everybody else is pretty bubbly and fun. 
Yeah, no, she uh, she was also nominated for a BAFTA. John Hanna was nominated for a BAFTA. Simon oh. Callow, again, who's great. Emma, Emma Chambers was the person in Notting Hill who looks a lot like the woman from Four Weddings and a Funeral, but is oh. not the same woman. Okay. It's just that it's a, it was a Charlotte Coleman type. Yeah, totally yeah. different people. That's crazy. I totally thought it was the same person. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, again, I don't have a lingering affinity for, for some of these later movies. I do think the Bridget Jones movies are really good. I, I think they, they actually hold up really well. And I mean, I don't even know how much of that is Renee Zellweger. She's like a very complicated, messy character. Yeah. And, and then finding the humor inside of that, I think is interesting. But like Notting Hill always struck me as kind of a little too cheesy romance, you know, and then my no, problem love actually. L- Notting Hill is wonderful. And you're wrong if you think anything other than that. Love actually has its challenges. I mean, I think even you'll agree in the modern day, love actually is starting to kind wow. of erode in the memory a bit. It's really disappointing. But yes, I loved love actually when I first saw it. I, I was very into it for a number of years. But in retrospect, there are parts of it that I just uh, can't really get behind. They really criticize that girl's thighs and she's she is fine. She's regular shaped. <laughs> she's a regular shaped person. They call yeah. her fat a lot. There are a lot of older men dating much younger employees. There really are. Yeah. The whole Alan Rickman thing is not great. But I mean, that was always never great. I yeah. think the Colin Firth thing is the thing that's really curious. That yeah, no also one. not great. Yeah, nope, it's not really good. But let's not forget, there are some really funny parts of Love Actually. This isn't about Love Actually. <laughs> But my God, like Bill Nye's stuff in Love Actually is oh, so good. So and him it, and his, his buddy. Oh. oh, him and Joe. Oh, it's like that's like the, one of the most like poignant parts of the movie. Yeah. A movie that I, I would say has a lot of forced, terrible poignancy, like all of the Andrew Lincoln, Kieran Knightley stuff. Yeah, it's not great. But I do think Bill Nye's stuff is fantastic. Oh, I so think uh, the stand the porn stand ins are hilarious. Yeah, very good. Um, and there's a lot of great little parts in that movie, but there's also a lot of problematic stuff in that movie. Yep. I would say Four Weddings and a Funeral definitely working better than that movie. I, I would I would agree with that. Although I would like to to come back to Four Weddings and a Funeral for a second to talk it about- It is what we're talking about. Yeah, I would like to come back to the topic of the show to talk about what was up with Hamish? Like, who is this dude? Where did he come from? One of the most infuriating moments of this movie for me was like, they meet at a wedding and they're all like, oh, so good to see you. And maybe something's going to go on. And she's like, oh, I'm engaged to this 90 year old man here next to me. <laughs> got, like his teeth are as yellow as you can ever find. And he's an old ass man and I'm going to marry him. Like, yeah. why? Why, Andy McDowell? Why would you do that? I don't even understand. I don't get it. And she never explains it. She's like, oh, I love him. But then they break up immediately. Why? I, Hamish drives me insane. The whole thing is contrived. Like that should yeah. have been its own movie or something because yeah. Hamish isn't in the movie until she turns up at, I believe, the second wedding and just says she's engaged. And then they're married and they're the third wedding. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's no good explanation for why any of this has happened except to get her out of the movie for a little while. And so Hugh Grant can grapple with some issues and then get engaged to his ex who Fifi calls duck face, which I just think is, is wonderful. So great. And then he destroys her like Hugh Grant's character. Also not a great character. No, like there, there are layers to it. And if you just look at him as being kind of a cad and kind of an asshole, then it works. And he's funny because he's Hugh Grant, but as a character, I don't know that we're rooting for him to have a good outcome. Right. No. Like, and also, it doesn't make any sense that he gets engaged and almost marries Duckface. Like, no. I know they, like, 
have conversations and blah, blah, blah. But like that comes out of nowhere and seems very disingenuous because he doesn't even like her all that much. He's never expressed that he likes her all that much. And then he leaves her at the altar. Like, yeah. Why would you even what I was thinking as we were watching the movie, what were those like? Like, what was the engagement dinner like? What was what like they don't even like each other? Like, that could not have been fun. Did he was was he picking out flowers for the wedding? No, no, he wasn't. No, he had nothing to do with it because he didn't want to get married. Doesn't make yeah. any sense. Why would they do that? No, it feels very crammed in. Like they wanted a twist when they yeah. showed the fourth wedding is Charles' wedding. Yeah. And so when they show the invitation and it's Charles and and the her, the girl's name is covered up. So you don't know who it is for a couple minutes. It's a fun, suspenseful moment. You know, this is fun filmmaking. But when they reveal that it's it's Henrietta, I think her name is Duckface. Is that no idea? But when they reveal that it's her, you for a second you're like, oh, and then you're like, wait a minute. But like up until now, she's turns up at all the same weddings they turn up at, which again also makes no sense that everybody's invited to all the same weddings. I don't unless things are different in England, but I cannot imagine how this would be. Agreed. But They've had some conversations and it's always about how he was kind of lousy when they were together. There's never like, we should get back together. That That's not even part of it. He talks to his friends a little bit like that when he's grappling with his issues, but all of his issues are still around Carrie and then Carrie being engaged to Hamish and that's it. So it does feel very contrived. Like they just needed some vehicle to drive this forward. And the fact that she gets married at one point and then he almost gets married. And then proves again to be just a douchebag and crushes her, right? Oh. Crushes her, not even leaving her at the altar. He breaks up with her at the altar and then she punches him in the face, which is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And it leads me to the point that like, this is not a great romantic comedy. It's a good movie and there's good like drama to it. And there are really good moments in it. But if you're someone who studies romantic comedies, as I am, <laughs> if you look at it in the whole point of the movie should be that you are satisfied when the when the couple gets together at the end. And this has none of that. Like, this has none of that. And, yeah. and there has to be some sort of, like, he might be with someone else or she might be with someone else. There has to be some sort of compelling, like, conflict that you would also feel or that you understand to say, like, oh, well, he's in, you know, he's in love with the person that you expect him to be in love with, but he's got this other person and it's a conflict. But no, it's just, it's convenient. Like, he is just like duck face is there and he wants to get married. Like there's no conflict. There's yeah. no, like when, as soon as he sees Carrie and finds out she's separated, you know, he's going to exit the wedding because there's nothing in the movie that has told you that he has any sort of attachment to the woman that he's about to marry. It's crazy. Like it is yeah. a badly constructed romantic comedy, which is what makes, which is why when we started this episode, I was like romantic comedy. Cause it's not really, if you study again, not to get too like, upset about this but if you study romantic comedies this is not one it's not the conventions of romantic comedy yeah now i i think that when you get to the, the end of this movie you get to the third act of this movie there were obviously a couple options and i feel like maybe henrietta's the easiest thing because figure the other women who you possibly could get charles into a wedding with which is clearly the way this movie has to end right carrie he doesn't know she's broken up until he's at his wedding like he doesn't know that this is what's happened right yeah so the only other characters you have are Scarlet, who now they've already kind of started pushing Scarlet on that American guy. Yeah, hot dude. Uh, right, that big strapping dude, right? Yeah. But Scarlet lives with Charles. They're roommates because yeah. they're there through the whole movie. So like they could have had to build in something earlier, but do you want to see him actually hurt 
Scarlet, who's a very likable character, a, a fun character, that wouldn't have worked, right? When you bring up the whole Fifi thing, I think I think part of me was thinking he's going to marry her at the end when they just show oh. the card. Yeah. And it's only when you see Fifi in the car with everybody else that you realize it's not her. But you really don't want to see that happen. Like, she's a very relatable, like, you're empathetic towards her. You don't want to see that happen, right? But I honestly think if they had built in a little more sympathy earlier, maybe they could have just ended up together. And that's honestly the way I think would have been the best part of this movie is if they could have made her character a little bigger and had them have a little more just affection, romantic type affection earlier in the film, as far as just them being friends. If he just ends up with her, I think it actually would have been a much better ending because I don't know why anybody would want to see him end up with, with Carrie by the end of this movie. This is almost my Scott Pilgrim problem where as much as I love Scott Pilgrim, there's no reason Scott Pilgrim should end up with Ramona. It's a crazy ending considering the way the course of the movie goes. And he should obviously end up with knives. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. (laughs) <laughs> but that pilgrim should end up with knives and I'm going to die on that hill. That but movie didn't come out in 1994. It, it was much. We're never going to do that year. Was it 2010? No. We're well, never getting it together, my friend. I, I just want to bring it up and mention because everybody, I love Ramona, but he shouldn't end up with Ramona. Come on. Four weddings <laughs> and a funeral. Same problem. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim has a big four weddings and a funeral problem. <laughs> I don't disagree, actually. Like, I'm with you. But again, I don't I don't want to just bash this movie all over the place. I think there are a lot of plot problems. I think a movie like this, the pieces should fit together very neatly and they don't. I think that the third act really lets it, it doesn't ruin the movie, but it lets down a lot of the movie in, in yeah. that it does contrive so much stuff to get to an ending. Agreed. That's that's satisfying. Where I think two thirds of this movie is great. And again, the performances are great. The, the actors are fantastic. Like oh, it yeah. really totally. the, the, what they do with those little characters to make them into real sturdy roles and and with very little to do i think is really great i think that the writing is great and and mike Knowles' directing is really solid do you think uh, richard curtis is just hung up on that song oh my god love is all around love is around all around was in this movie twice three times at least at least twice at least twice maybe it was in the end credits and of course it's it's very you know prominently featured in love actually and so when it came on we were like wait a minute like do you think he owes the somebody whoever wrote that song money and he has to like <laughs> cram it into movies as much did he write that song like how why did he use this song so really? much it's a fine song really but like, that it should overwhelm two of his movies it's not even a very cinematic song like the the melody is so basic and i mean you can tell it you know in in love actually like it starts with this song with this guy just singing along to this very basic the music underneath it is nothing all that special they change it and and he calls it solid gold shit in the first like 30 seconds of love actually i know that's the like remake of it but still like yeah. it's not a great it, it, it's not a great song it's a Do fine you think song richard curtis dated whoever wrote that song yes and when four weddings and a funeral came out they were still together and then he just shits all over it by the time they get to love actually i i don't know if that's true but i love that idea i love don't it. want to look it up and find out i want no. that to just be the truth what other what other little details would you like about this one i think we've i think again like i feel bad because i feel like all we've done is slam this movie and i think this is a really good movie no i, I really enjoy this movie like you should go watch it if you haven't seen it go watch it it's great yeah it's everything you would think you would expect it to be. It has that romantic British movie feel like it, it from the 90s of its time. This is really solid filmmaking of that time. I don't know that it holds up with modern movies. I think that the plot would have had to be rejiggered a little bit to make it a little smoother. But 
This was a hugely successful movie. This was the highest grossing movie in England for years. Like oh, this was really? the top movie. Yeah. And plus it won a bunch of BAFTAs. It won best picture. Uh, it was nominated for best picture at the Oscars, which for a comedy for no matter what you want to classify this movie as it's definitely a comedy. It's not a drama. Right. So yeah. even to get into the conversation in 94, which is a great year for movies is really surprising. This was nominated over Ed Wood and bullets over Broadway. It was nominated over speed. I, I think that's honestly unfortunate. <laughs> Speed, not nominated for Best Picture. Big shame. Speed's a lot tighter than this movie, I'm just saying. Four Weddings and a Funeral domestically also did pretty well. I mean, again, for what's a relatively small comedy with no big movie stars. I mean, Andy McDowell was a name, but I wouldn't call her. She's not opening a movie, right? Right. Hugh Grant wasn't really anything at this point. This movie came in 23rd, opened on a March, came in at 51 million in 1994, which is, that's over 100 million today, I think, right? Yeah. And it was just below Dumb and Dumber and just ahead of uh, O.J. Simpson's last movie, Naked Gun 33 and a third. So Four (laughs) Rings and a Funeral, right in there. Right in there. I mean, it's a great date movie. Get your person, share a tub of popcorn, talk about how ridiculous Hamish is. Where did he come from? What is the story with this Hamish? I don't like it. I do wish that Gareth and Matthew had their own movie. Like, Honestly, I wish they had some more scenes in this movie. Really? Like, I, I didn't realize how much I would miss them until Gareth died. And then when he yeah. died, I'm like, oh, my God, we don't get any more Simon Callow in this movie. Uh, and he's so terrific in this movie. So great. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson is only in that really that one scene and then doesn't come back either. And you kind of miss him by the end of the movie. Yeah. There's some good mustaches in this movie. Yeah. Really good mustaches. Yeah. A lot of good kilts. A lot of yeah. good plaid. Yep. Because there's a, a deep Scottish part, as you can imagine, with Hamish. There's a deep Scottish streak running through the middle of this film. So this was your dealer's choice, man. Do you feel like we covered enough? Do you, is you there know, more you want to talk about? I feel good. Like, I don't want people to think that I didn't like four weddings and a, and a funeral. I did like it. It just, you know, we're here to hold movies to a high standard. And that high standard is speed. And it's not speed. <laughs> it's just not. Do you think this movie would have been improved with someone else playing Carrie? Do you think yes. Andy McDowell just doesn't, and I don't know if it's that she she was directed into this, that she really doesn't do that much. Or is it just that Andy McDowell's not that dynamic? Like, she's yeah. good in certain types of roles, but yeah, opposite I'm, Hugh Grant, who's all personality, was this ever going to work? I'm not here to run down Andy McDowell. I think she's great. She's great. In, there are movies that she's in that I love, like, and that she's great in. I'm, I think Andy McDowell's great. You put Sandra Bullock in that part. It's a whole different movie. Well... I mean, if this movie was made a year later, maybe that could have happened. And she would have been the top line star of this movie. Oh, yeah, totally. Sandra Bullock is in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Also, Hugh Grant. But like in in March of 94, when this movie comes out, we're three months away from speed. How's Sandra Bullock's not getting in this movie? Fair point. Fair point. So who would have been your choice to replace Andy McDowell in this movie? I mean, it depends. They didn't have much of a budget. So I don't know that like they could have got. I would say the premier romantic comedy actresses of the time, your Julia Roberts, your Meg Ryan. Like, I don't, I don't think this, this movie could afford those people. Yeah. Hugh Grant, I think literally made like 15 grand on this movie. <laughs> Andy McDowell was by far the highest paid person in this movie, but she had like a cut of the gross or something. Like she had a deal to, to make all the money. Cause this movie yeah. made a, a fortune overseas, but like somebody just a little more who would be bringing a real personality to that part and not just, you know, static American character yeah. who is just there as a figure more than as anything else. Yeah. 
So like a Julia Roberts would have crushed this movie. Oh my God. Would have been a completely different movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Like again, it would have been a Julia Roberts movie. Like right. would all of a sudden had huge scenes with Andy McDowell. Her and Hamish would have extended scenes. Yeah. What's the longest scene Andy McDowell has in this movie when she's talking about all the people she slept with? Yeah. And you don't even really like even that you're focused on Hugh Grant the whole time and his reaction to what she's saying. You don't even yeah. really engage with her. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I don't really think it's her fault. Like, I think they downplay her in favor of Hugh Grant's personality. And it's almost like she's a non entity in the movie. Like, it's it's so much about Hugh Grant that like she has so little character. She has so little personality. She has so little like anything to her that she's literally just a generic woman and could have been anyone that yeah. he was into. And maybe that's the whole point. Maybe actually we're criticizing it too much for what their actual intention was, was just to keep the focus on him and on that group of friends, because yeah. there's never even a really good explanation of why she's at any of these weddings to begin with. Like she's a, a right. She works for a, a magazine. She works for Vogue or something. And she's at the first wedding, but then yeah. she just kind of keeps lingering around, I guess, because she's hooking up with Hugh Grant from very early in the movie. Yeah. And then. But, but then I don't know. Why are they all invited to her wedding? Like, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get that either. I don't, that's because I, I never got the sense that Hamish was connected to any of these people. No. Right? So I don't know. Like, I don't know what that was about. It felt, it felt contrived. Like, it felt convenient to the plot that this is why they did that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but maybe, maybe Andy McDowell doesn't deserve the blame for all of these problems. This is a script problem for as tight a script as that is comedically. I think the beats and the the acts could have uh, could have gained a lot by just just figuring out that that thing between them and then yeah. coming up with a slightly more cohesive ending well your choice man we yeah i feel like we've wrapped it i feel like no one wants to hear us say more about four weddings and a funeral that's where i am <laughs> i feel like when we get to this point in episodes you kind of feel this way all the time no one wants to hear any more of this <laughs> yes that's accurate <laughs> You know what? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I like these fill-in episodes. I like the Dealer's Choice episodes. These are yeah. going to come in nice. I think that bundling 94 movies together have to have some reason to do it. And yeah. I don't know that so far, you can't put anything with Speed. Speed it, is its own monolith. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. And Four Weddings and a Funeral, I think, is a very particular movie. You can put it with the other Oscar movies. It never had a chance of winning any big Oscars in, in no. as deep a year as 94. So. No. no uh, so I think it's nice to, to knock these one-offs out. Yeah, no, I'm glad we covered it. I'm glad that I won. I'm sure whatever you wanted to talk about was interesting, but not as good as Four Weddings and a Funeral. So you're welcome, listeners. Well, we'll have to get around to the book version of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil another time. Uh, good. We were this close. Yeah. I'm. That's the episode where I'm just going to put my head down on the desk. You just talk. <laughs> I have nothing to add here. Well, I guess we got to book club that one. We got to get you reading. It's <laughs> the only way. Uh, yawn. Uh, so you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, us talk about four weddings and a funeral, not in that order. Happy holiday. We're not going to tell you what it was. Yes. I hope you had a good one with your loved ones if you've been vaccinated or is that well in the past? <laughs> Everyone's vaccinated. The plague's over. Or is it? Welcome to 2024. Oh, boy. Happy Epis New Year. Oh, episode I revealed 400. it. Oh, man. <laughs> Can you believe Biden got reelected? <laughs> Insane. Oh, he's sold. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Next time. Oh, do you want to do the outro? Oh, I don't know how to do it. Okay. Uh, we'll see you next time. Um, uh, goodbye. Goodbye.
just as good as anything. <laughs> this has been It Happened One Year. Please take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever they allow ratings. Please follow us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow us on all relevant and irrelevant social media. See ya! See ya!